So we are up to Lamed Zayin Amid Beis. We are up to three, four lines from the uh, the bottom. We had our, our Mishnah described that if a slave, a non-Jewish slave, which as already has a status, he's like a shtickle Jew because he has to keep the mitzvahs of a woman, the same mitzvah of Um So if he is ransomed, meaning he's captured and then and then and then bought, you buy him, you ransom him. Uh, the Mishnah said, if you ransom him for the sake of being a slave, he's a slave. Rishengalil said he's always a slave, regardless of what your intention is, but that's the Rabban and Shiza. Rava explained the Mishnah as meaning it's after Yish, so meaning you have a slave. He is captured. You're Miyayish, that's it, your ownership is up. It's now the, who does it belong to? Now it's the captors. And then when you buy it from the captors, you're buying a slave, so it becomes yours. That, that's basic the premise. So the Gemara says, According to this process, it's that it's after Yish, so the second year Miyayish, you give up your ownership, so now it becomes the captors, and you're buying it from the captor. Now the question is, Where do we find the source? The Gemara says, how, how did the captor get the, get the slave? Meaning, it, it, what mechanism, where do we find, basically, that a guy can o- own another person? That's basically the kasha. Where do we find that a guy can own another person? The verse is in, yeah, we find such a concept. That a guy, meaning, what happens over here is you have a guyish slave, right? He's a guyish Jewish slave. He's a kind of a mix between the two. He was captured by the guyish captives, by the guyish kid- uh, pirates. When the pirates, when the kidnappers... Uh, capture him, he, they, they acquired this slave, not fully, they acquired him regarding Maise Yadav. I mean, the Gemara is saying is, you see from here, and we're going to find sources for this in a moment, that a non-Jew can own another non-Jew in Halacha, by the way, only regarding Maise Yadav, meaning, I, a Jew, can own a non-Jew, that I could own his physical body, to the point where I could... Uh, whatever, it has kinyanim and, and certain halachas, that you could actually own a slave. Goyim cannot own people from a halachic perspective. They could own the rights to their usage. Think of it as like, uh, you know, just for regarding their servitude. Not that they actually own the person, but they own him regarding the rights... So, to, you know, uh, yeah, there's a piece of that a Jew can actually own a guy. I can actually own him la halacha, own his physical property regarding certain kinyanim. But a guy, a guy cannot own another person. He could only own regarding Maisi Yadav. He could own regarding Maisi Yadav. The Gemara says, what's the source for this? Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, Gam agarim imachem, mehem tiknu. The Pasuk says that a Jew is able to purchase uh, slaves from a Canaanite, from the Canaanite people, you're able to buy their children as slaves. A Jew is able to buy a slave. Atem mehem. A Jew can own a slave. Go to the next page. But a guy cannot own a Jew regarding meaning. Now, just to, not to be too confused. No, a guy mechem. A guy cannot own a Jew. Meaning, a guy can own a Jew regarding servitude. He can't own our physical bodies. That's clear from a Pasuk. The Pasuk describes how a Jew can sometimes be so short on cash that he's sold as a slave to a guy. So a guy can own a Jew, but not the goof of a Jew. He could own the Maisi Yadav. Meaning a Jew is able to own a guy's physical body, but a guy cannot own a Jew's physical body. And a guy can't even own a guy, another guy. 
So a guy cannot own another guy. So the Gemara says, You might think a guy cannot own another guy. Meaning, the Gemara says, A guy can't own another guy. And then the Gemara says, he definitely can own another guy. So it's a straight-up contradiction. This is what we meant to say. Here's the story. The Brisa means that a guy cannot own another guy regarding the physical bodies. You can't own a guy legamri, but you could own them regarding maiseyadav. A guy can own another guy regarding the rights to his usage. How do I know this? We find the Pasuk in the Torah that says that a guy is able to own a Jew's uh, rights to his usage. So if a guy can have a Jewish slave, a guy can have a Goyish slave. So this Brisa teaches that a guy can own another guy, not Ligamri, but at least regarding Maisei Yadav. So this is the source that a Goyish captor can acquire the non-Jewish slave, the Evid Kanani. Now, it's sort of in two stages. The captor captures the Canaanite slave, it becomes his, and then when he sells it to the, to the ransomer, to the, the one who, rans- who redeems it, it becomes the second person. So we're trying to prove, how do I know that a guy can acquire a non-Jew slave? So it's in two stages. First, how do I know that a guy can acquire a non-Jew slave? We just proved that. That's from the Pasuk. The Pasuk, it's Mehem Tiknu, Kavachaymer, fine. Now the second question is, how did he acquire them? If a guy can own a Jew, he can Kavachaymer own a guy. Because the Pasuk says so. So the question is, that's all true with cash. How did the captor acquire him? Not with cash. By just picking him up, by chazaka, by just grabbing him, by, by making him his slave, by chazaka. Where do we find such a source for that? Meaning, I understand the other source that a guy can acquire a guyish slave or a, a Jew, whatever, a evakanani, which is like a quasi-Jew, quasi-non-Jew. But I understand that he could acquire him the way you could acquire any other slave with cash, but how do I know that you could acquire him with just by taking him? It's like sort of like Lachayish. Well, yeah. So the question, but the question is, where do we have, find the source that the Kenyan of Chazaka uh, works? Now, the Kenyan of Chazaka is like you, you make him serve you. That, that's the Kenyan Chazaka. Right? Kenyan Chazaka by a slave is you have the you make him uh, serve you. So you pick up the guy and you throw him in the cellar and you say. Make, uh, bring me water, whatever. There you go. That's the king of How do we know? Where's the source that that's effective? So the Gemara says, I only know that a guy can acquire another guy with cash. Where do we find that a guy can another acquire another guy through capturing him? The answer is, look at the countries of Amon and Moev. Right? Amon and Moev, there's an Isidaraisa for the Jews to uh, capture Amon and Moev. We're not allowed to. But, but we did. How were we able to eventually? Because Amon and Mayav were conquered by Sichon. Once they were conquered by Sichon, they're no longer Amon and Mayav, they become Sichon. We're able to acquire Sichon. Meaning, there's an Isidor for the Jews to wage war against Amon and Mayav. Right? The Pasuk says, leave them in peace, don't deal with them, don't, 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 don't harass them. Fine. Then how were we able to conquer Amon and Mayav? Because Sichon conquered Ammon and Moab, and by Sichon conquering Ammon and Moab, he acquired Ammon and Moab. So Ammon and Moab is no longer Ammon and Moab, it now belongs to Sichon. You see from here that in an act of war, a guy can acquire another guy. Sichon acquired Ammon and Moab to the extent that it became Ammon and Moab, it became Sichon. So now we're able to conquer Sichon's territory because it's not Ammon and Moab anymore, it's Sichon's territory. So you see that through capturing, a guy can acquire another guy. 
Now, I just want to do one more line. I'll you, this is only true for a guy to another guy. They're both Over here, you want to prove that a guy can acquire a, a quasi-Jewish slave. He's a non-Jewish slave, but he has to keep certain mitzvahs. So the answer is, the Pasuk describes how a guy captured a Jew. The point is like this, just to, just, to, uh, just to clarify one quick point. So you see over here that a guy can capture another guy and it becomes his. Rashi describes capturing as, what's the mechanism of capturing? Like what, what Kenyan? It's Chazaka. So what does that mean? It means, how do you, how do, you do Kenyan Chazaka on another person? Make him serve you. So the reason why it works is because when you capture another person, you make him serve him. There are Rishonim that actually, just good to know, there are Rishonim that are Mechadish, that this sugi introduces a new form of a Kenyan, and that's called the Kenyan of Kibush Molchama. Meaning that it's not, it's not just classic chazaka. There's such a concept that through war, you could acquire things. That Kaddish Baruch Hu gave rights to the king, that through war, you could acquire things. So by me taking another person, I'm capturing him mitzad war, it is an effective form of a kin. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. So the Gemara continues like this. Now back to slaves. Okay, so we said yesterday, we said yesterday that according to Rishim Gamliel, not according to the Rabban, according to Rishim Gamliel, if you have a Goyish slave, a Jew, a Kanani that's captured and then he's ransomed, he's redeemed, according to Rishim Gamliel, it doesn't matter what your intention is, he always remains a slave. Why? So the first reason, the, the reason of Chizkiah, right? Chizkiah said, I don't understand. I, it's after Yish, I'm buying him to be free. He's a slave. Why is he a slave? I'm buying him to be free. So if you remember, we had yesterday Chizkiah's opinion. Chizkiah's opinion is, we're afraid that Goyish slaves would just uh, give themselves up to captors. They knew that the Jews would want to ransom them. So they'd be like, hey, I'm going to join your platoon. So they're officially captured. They knew that Jews are... Would would do pidyon shvuyim, and they'll get. They'll, it's a way to get themselves out of slavery. So therefore, uh, out of out of servitude, and therefore to avoid that, Rishim Malil made a takana. I don't care why you buy him; he's a slave. He's got to know that he can't just give himself up. As he said. What about after Kirusa Nichalai? He wants to be a slave. So it's interesting. It's a good point. I guess. I guess this Gemara obviously. I guess uh, is concerned not like that. It's a good point. It's a good. I guess. I don't know. It's a good point. I'm not sure. So the Gemara now has the opposite. That was again. That was regarding if a Jewish person purchases a slave, regardless of why you purchased him, he remains a slave. Now we have a new teaching. Let's say he wasn't purchased. Let's say he escaped. If he escaped, Yatzel Chayrus, he's free. Okay. If a Goyish slave escapes uh, 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 the, the captors, he gets to go free. Not only is he free, but his master has to write a, 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 a bill of emancipation that would make it sure that everyone knows that he's free and he'd be able to marry a Jewish person. He becomes free, he becomes a Jew. Now here's the deal. If he runs away, he becomes free. If I bought him, if I redeem him, we said yesterday, he becomes a slave. Because of Atakana, we don't want Goyim to just give themselves up. But if he escapes, he's free. What's the difference? If he escapes, he's free. We don't punish him. If I buy him for freedom, we punish him. What's the difference? 
So the Gemara says this kasha. The Gemara says, wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that according to Rav Yechanan, if a Gaiyish slave escapes the captors, he's free, so he can get out of being a slave. Wait a minute. Tanan, but it said in the Mishnah yesterday, that yesterday Shimuel said that it doesn't matter why you buy a slave. No matter why you buy him, he remains a slave. And Rav Yochanan said, outside of these three examples, whatever they are, the three different sugyas, Rav Yochanan says, we always pass in like Rav Shimuel. Meaning, we pass in like Rav Shimuel, says Rav Yochanan, that if a Jewish person redeems is a non-Jewish slave, no matter what the reason, he remains a slave, because we don't want to give him a way out, so he remains a slave, but if he escapes, he's free. I don't understand. Does he have a way out or not? So the Gemara says, According to Rava, that the situation is after Yish, meaning the slave is captured and there's Yish, so he should be free. And you redeem him to be a free man, so he really should be free. And what's the halacha? He remains a slave. Why? Because we said, yes, there's a penalty on him. So how come if he escapes, is he free? I don't understand. What's the difference? So the Gemara says, very simple. The answer is very simple. Why is it that if I buy a slave with the intention of him being free, he remains a slave? What's the reason? It's a penalty. What's the penalty based on? We don't want Goyim to give themselves up. We don't want a Goyish slave to be like, I don't want to be a slave anymore, but I, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. Here's the deal. I'm joining these marauders. I'm officially a captive. And I know they'll be Poydish William. But that's true. So if I redeem him, no matter what, he remains a slave. Understood. But now Rabbi Yochan is saying, if he escapes, he's free. Why? You should penalize him. What are you afraid of? That a Goyish, a person, is going to make himself a slave. A Goyish, a slave, will allow himself to be taken by captives and then escape. Do you know what happens if you escape? You're shot. They'll kill you. Meaning, the whole concern is, the reason why we remain him a slave is because we don't want him to get an easy way out. An easy way out is, let him be captured, he knows the Jews will redeem him because we're into that, and then he'll be easy, it'll be okay, whatever, he's a slave here, he's a slave there, it doesn't make much difference. But we're not going to penalize him in the scenario, what are you afraid of? Right, he escapes, oh, he gets his freedom, penalize him, what are you afraid of? That if we allow him to be free if he escapes, that he's going to willingly just be taken captive and then just easily escape. Do you know how hard it is to escape? He's putting his life on the line. We'll penalize him if it takes, if it means, if we're concerned, we're afraid that he'll just give himself up to be taken captive and then just be redeemed. Yeah, because it doesn't, it's no harm off his back. But when it comes to what are you afraid of, that he's going to be taken captive willingly and then escape? Good for him. He earned it. Like that's not that's dangerous. And if he's willing to do that, that's so that's so crazy. That is not a concern of ours. Okay. The Gemara says the following story. And that story is till the end of the daf, uh, end of the Amud. The Gemara says Amsa. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Amsa de Mar Shmuel. Mar Shmuel had a a non-Jewish slave woman, a Shtabe, and she was taken captive. Parkul Shum Amasa. They. Some people were for her. They redeemed her for the sake of her remaining a captive. So she was captured, redeemed, and sent back to Marshmuel, said, here's your slave back. We redeemed her, but with the intention of her remaining your slave. Shadrulay, and they sent the, the slave woman the following message. We follow Rav Shem Gamliel 
that no matter why you redeem a slave, remains a slave. So she's a slave. At inami And they said to Shmuel, like accept your slave back as a gift. Because even if you hold like the Rabbanon, we redeemed her as a slave. So so we didn't redeem her for her freedom. But Shmuel didn't want to take her. Shmuel said she was captured. They, she was redeemed by a third party. They sent her back to Shmuel with the following message that please accept her as a gift back. And first of all, we pass on like Rosh Leel. They said, we follow Rosh Leel that no matter why you redeem her, remains a slave. But also, even if you follow the Rabbana, we redeemed her as a slave. Oh, so the Gemara says, Shmuel didn't want to accept the slave. Why? The Gemara says, Inu because they thought it was before Yish. The truth was, it was after Yish. Once Shmuel was already Mi'ayish, he's no longer his. So even if they redeem her as a slave, it's theirs, not his. So Shmuel didn't want to take it, because Shmuel's saying is like this, your whole cheshbin only works if it's before Yish. If it's before Yish, it's still mine. So yes, redeem for a slave, redeem for this, I understand. But as after Yish, it's no longer mine anymore. You want to redeem her for yourself? That's your party. That's your thing. But they were giving it. They were giving her the slave back thinking it was Shmuel. Shmuel's like, it's not mine. It's, it's after Yish. So... T- what? It's all good transactions. He can take her, he, the slave just has to do one thing for him and he acquires her back. So Tysus is bothered by that. Tysus is bothered that, t- 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 yeah, the, the Gemara's understanding that according to Shmuel, he follows the first shot that, it, that, that it's all about before Yish, but once mm-hmm. it's after Yish, then it's, everyone agrees you go to freedom. Tysus is bothered by your question. So now she's a full Jew and you can't be acquired anymore? Correct. That's, that's a, a correct. Tyson's saying. saying that she goes free and then she's a full Jew and then that's it. Meaning, but but, but Tyson is bothered by the kasha, which is like what you're saying, which is had maybe they hold like Rava that even after Yish it goes to the second guy, goes to the first guy. But the point is that Shmuel was saying I'm Yish, which means she's no longer mine. And Shmuel felt that after Yish it becomes a free person. Once she's free, you can't acquire her anymore. So Shmuel's like, I can't take her. I'm sorry. The Gemara says. Uh, and Shmuel added, not only is she no longer a slave woman, Shmuel actually held, you don't even have to write a bill of emancipation. Shmuel shita is that the whole purpose of a bill of emancipation is only if there's no like hefker or there's no yish. It's that if you have a full slave and you want to make her free, give her the emancipation bill. But if she's actually, if there's yish, if there's hefker, you don't have to actually give her anything. She's free based on that alone. So Shmuel actually felt that not only is she completely free, I don't even have to write an emancipation bill. I was Miyayish. Once I'm Miyayish, she's free. She's out. The Gemara says, Shmuel atamei, and this follows Shmuel l'shitaso, Shmuel avdo Shmuel felt that if you're mafker and Eved, the Eved goes free, and you don't have to write a bill of emancipation, Shinemar. The Pasuk says, Evid Ish. What do you mean, Evid Ish? You could have a woman that's a slave. So why is it Evid Ish? It means you're only an Evid if you have an Ish on top of you. But once the master is Mafker or Miyayish, you automatically go free. You don't actually need a bill of emancipation. The purpose of a bill of emancipation in the eyes of Shmuel is if you have a full-fledged Evid and you just want him to go free, give him the bill. But if not, if you want to just be Mafkrim, he's free right now. You don't even need a bill of emancipation. Okay, another story. Am Seder of Abba Barzutra. Am Barzutra had a non-Jewish slave woman. Ishtaboy, she was captured. Parkahu tarmudo'a lushum itisa. Okay, but now it's a little bit of a, a different ending. 
She was captured. She was bought by a Goyish guy to be his wife. Okay, so now you have his non-Jewish slave woman. By the way, non-Jewish slave woman had to keep certain mitzvahs, so it's not like, not a straight guy. She is now, cap- she was captured and then bought by a Goyish guy to be his wife. So, Sholchulei, they sent Ababar, Abba, Rav Abar Zutra, the following message. They said, if you want to, if you want to do good by her, send her an emancipation document. Okay, so send her an emancipation document. So let's just review this story. The story is again: Rav Abba Barzutra had a slave woman who was taken captive. She was bought by a goyish guy to be the goyish guy's wife. So they sent to him: if you want to do good by her, send her an emancipation document. Okay, okay, a couple of things. What, are, what is an emancipation document going to do? But let me ask you a question. You have a Goyesha guy. Yeah. He bought a woman. It's now his wife. He gets a letter in the mail that says she is now officially freed from the Jewish law. And he's going to be like, I, I do not care. What, what, what is that going to do for him? So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. Is this Goyesha guy, I'm sorry, is this Goyesha guy willing to sell her? Meaning, is she still up for auction? Are you, could you still redeem her? Again, they tell Abba Marzutra, you want to do good by her? Send her a bill of emancipation. Make sure she's free. Well, what is that going to do? Here's, here's what I would say, right? You want to go like, like in the movies. Break her into their house. Whatever. Go buy her. Or there's nothing you could do. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Parkula. If you could actually buy her, then why do you need to give her emancipation bill? Just buy her. And and if the Goyesha guy says, I'm not selling her, she's my wife, then what's the bill of emancipation going to do for him? What does he care if she's officially a freed Jewish woman, a non-Jewish slave woman, was a nafkamina to him? He doesn't care. So what is the purpose of selling him an emancipation bill? So the Gemara says, First of all, it could be that you actually could redeem her. Meaning, she is up for auction. So what? Just buy her. Why are you selling, sending an emancipation bill? I'll tell you why. If you send him an emancipation bill making her a full Jewish woman, it'll be a lot easy for the charity campaigns to raise money to redeem her. Because right now, she's a slave woman, a non-Jewish slave woman. She has to keep certain mitzvahs. So he said like this, you want to say, you want, right? she's still up for auction, she's still for sale, buy her. He's like, that's too much money. So here's what you do. Send her emancipation bill. She's now a full-fledged Jew. Now it's a Jew who's taken captive. Pidin shvuyim. Now you'll, the Jews will get together. Once you send her a document of freedom, and now she's a full-fledged Jew, the Jews will get together. They'll say, oh, there's a Jewish woman stuck in captivity. we got to get her out. So the, the first one is that it's a, it's a, a um, it's a, what do you call it when you raise money? It's a, a like a, uh, for the tzedakah organization, I forget the uh, whatever. Uh, well, you know what I mean. It's it's a tool. It's it's a good uh, it's a good tool for it's a fundraising tool. It's a fundraising tool. Let her be free. That way, she'll be a full fledged Jew. It'll be a lot easier to raise money. That's the first shot. The second shot is iba yisema loyelim delay matzu parkla. The second explanation is really she's not up for sale. The goyish guy wants him as a wife. So what's the point of sell, sending her an emancipation bill? Kiva the meshad leged the charusa misla ba'ape the parkla. The answer is that. Uh, if this guy sees that the Jews don't even want her as a slave, he may not find her as attractive. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if he gets a letter in the bill saying, they don't even want you as a slave anymore, 
Uh, you're not, you know, you're not the catch I really thought you were. Yeah. And she's going to be it's uh, zil because also it's public. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. I thought we have a rule in Sanhedrin that goyim find even Jewish animals more attractive than their wives. Meaning the fact that, that it's a shaykhist to a yid is, it makes it more attractive. So the fact that she's a Jew, that should be enough. So why, what's the shot? The answer is, that's only true when it's private. When it's public, it's embarrassing. For everyone to publicly know that his wife was so undesirable by the Jewish people that we don't even want her as a slave, then he's going to say, you know what, maybe she's not what I thought she was, and maybe he'll divorce her, maybe he'll let her go. Okay, uh, fine. Hahi amsa da'ava Okay, now this sugya, we're going to hear from till the end of the daf, we're going to talk about the concept of, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's an iser da'oraisa of freeing a slave. A non-Jewish slave, is the Pasuk says about them, they shall work for you forever, and it's to make them free. All the cases that we've had of freeing them is where it's not according to the Torah. That's according to Rabbi Yehuda. Oh, so we're going to get to that. That, that, but that. That's for a mitzvah, at least. The Gemara is going to quote that. So the Gemara says, there was a Canaanite slave woman that lived in Pumbadisa, and men were living with her. Meaning she was a non-Jewish slave woman and she was becoming, having a bad reputation that she was doing Averis with a lot of men. So Amr Abaya, Abaya said, If not for the teaching that I just quoted, that if you free a slave person, there's an Isser, meaning, you're over and I say, that it's not allowed according to the Torah to free a slave. If not for that, have a I would free the person. Why? Because Abaya is saying like this, Abaya is saying this woman is living with everybody. So Abaya is saying that if it were up to me, I would free, I would force the master to free him, if not for the fact that it, it's not allowed according to the Torah. Why? Why? Because once you free the person, she'll marry a full-fledged Jew, and the husband will stop her from doing Averis. That's the That was the hope. But he said, my arms are tied because the Torah says you're not allowed to, so I have no choice. The Gemara says, Ravina Amar, so according to Abaya, you're not allowed to free a slave woman even if it means stopping people from doing Averos. Ravina disagrees. He says, You could definitely, everyone would agree it's allowed in such a situation. Meaning, Rabbi Yehuda's point is, you're not allowed to free a slave just because you're like, I think he should enjoy freedom. That's Aser. But if you're doing it to, to, to help Hashem, you're doing it because people are doing Averis with her, and people will stop doing Averis if she's a full-fledged Jew, then of course it's allowed. So the Machleikas, whether you're allowed to free a slave woman in order to stop people from doing Averis. No, no. The assumption is that when she's married, her husband will stop her. Not that people don't care about living with Goyim, but if she's married, then the husband will probably stop her. She can't marry a Jew right now. She's a Canaanite slave woman. Yeah. The Gemara says, Right now, according to Abaya, let's just analyze this. By the way, this is... Um, we're going to touch on your Gemara that you quote in a second. But according to Abai, you have a, 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 a Canaanite slave woman who's doing Averis in the community. And Abai is like, I'd like to free her, but my hands are tied. Meaning, according to Abai, you're not allowed to free a slave even means to avoid doing Averis. The problem is, we have a Maisa not like that. Again, Abai is refusing to free this slave woman who's doing Averis. But Abai also had the following teaching. We have a teaching from Rav Yitzchak. It's a very famous Gemara. We have this in Chagiga. Go to the next page. You have a, a slave woman that's half Jewish, half slave. How do you do that? 
you have a slave woman that's owned by two people. One freed, one didn't. So now here's the problem. Now, Kofu is Rabba Vosabas Chorin. What do they do? They force the other owner to free her. Why? Because people were doing averis with her. So over there they allowed her to be free to avoid doing averis. But over here not. What's the difference? Huh? No, so the Gemara says it's more of a practical thing. Over there, the reason why they freed, freed her is because who could live with a woman who's half slave, half Jew? No. Well, yeah, but no one. No one could. She's not allowed to marry a slave. She's not allowed to marry a Jew. When you have a person that is not, according to the Torah, allowed to marry anybody, you know what they're going to do? They might do not good things. So we're going to force her. Over here, what was the case? She's a full-fledged slave woman. She's just living with people. So is like, I'd free her. Why? Because if you free her, maybe she'll marry a Jew. You know she could have a, a, a slave husband. So let, instead, so meaning like this. Abai is not against, Abai is saying, listen, I'll free a person if it'll stop doing Averis. And I'll do it by a half-slave, half-Jew. Why over here am I not comfortable? Because you don't need to do it. She could marry someone, right? What's the whole point of freeing her? She'll marry a husband, a Jewish husband, he'll stop her. She could have a slave husband. Okay, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference. Slaves have a different mentality, I understand that. But it's possible. Over there, you were forced to free her because you had no choice. She couldn't marry anybody. But over here, over there, she can't marry anybody. So you're forced to free her because you have no Eitzah. But you could give her a slave husband. Right? You could even, by the way, it's even appointed. It's actually probably better. It's not, not dating and it's not for love. You say, well, he's your slave husband. And you say to the slave husband, make sure she stops living with all the men in the community. He's like, got it. So it, it's an easy fix. You don't have to free her. So Abai is comfortable with freeing her only to avoid an Isser if it's the only alternative. It's not the only alternative over here. He doesn't believe that it's the only option. Well, that's also part of it. That's, it's, you know. So now the Gemara mentions your thing, which is, Gufam, Rav Yudam Shmuel, Kamashachar Avda, Avibasei. Rav Yudam Shmuel says that anyone who frees a non Jewish slave is over a bitalasei. Shenemar la'oilah mem tavoidis. He now let a free a non Jewish slave. Mais ve'avakasha, Maisa bravaliezer. Ravaliezer the Amora once went to Shul. Shenechaz be'saknesses v'lematzasari. He got to Shul and there were nine people there. They didn't have a tenth person, but he had his slave with him. So what did he do? Shichar Avda v'shlim la'asara. He freed his non Jewish slave in order to make the minion. So you're telling me it's usher to do this, but he did it for the minion. The answer is mitzvah shani. The answer is he did it for the mitzvah. Meaning it is usher, but for the sake of a mitzvah, it's allowed. Okay. Now the Gemara just has a kasha. We have this sugya in... For a mitzvah, you're, you're being about... Uh, so it's a, it's a big shayla. There's a toysis in Daf Gimel and Shabbos that talks about that it's... Uh, the, the answer is sometimes we do allow you to do an avera for the community's sake. To help the community do mitzvahs, it's such a concept, but it's it's something you got to be careful so with not to go to. So we're allowing the slave to be free, which is awesome. In order for the sake of making a public minion, yeah. Again, you have to know exactly how far. But there's a Taisis Daf Gimel. It's a lengthy Taisis. The top Taisis Daf Gimel. Um, talks about this again. Now. We're saying that the reason why he felt that it's permitted, even though it's generally usher, is because for the sake of a mitzvah. Let me ask you, Kasha, do you guys remember in Saita, there was a machlekes between Rav Akiva and Rav Yishmael about certain mitzvahs that Rav Akiva kept on saying chova, Rav Yishmael kept on saying rishus, about whether it's part of the 613. One of them was uh, freeing a slave. Meaning, you're saying, um, you're, you're saying that, that 
your assumption is that Rabbi Yehuda Meshmuel, that Revelezer goes to Shul and he frees a slave. So you're assuming that he holds that it's Aser, but for the sake of a mitzvah, maybe he holds like Rabbi Shmuel. That it's not us at all. It's it's Rishus. That you have to keep slaves forever. Which we're saying right now means that the Torah is commanding you to keep him as a slave. And if you free him, you're going against the Torah. But that's actually a machlokas tenoim. Rishus div Rav Yishmol. actually says it's optional. The Torah is not saying you have to keep a slave. The Torah is saying you could keep a slave. According to Rav Yishmol, if you want to free a slave, can you? Of course. It's not against the Torah. You're not required to keep them, and you're not. So, and, and Rav Akiva is the one who says Chova. So, Vadilma Rav Eliezer, Sava, the command Amr Rishus. So, maybe Rav Eliezer, Rav Eliezer, who freed a slave, it's not because he feels that the mitzvah overrides. Maybe he feels it's not Usr at all. The answer is, The answer is, Rav Eliezer, this is Rav Eliezer, the Tana, not the Mara, I apologize. Rav Eliezer himself outright explicitly said he agrees with Rav Akiva. Meaning, Rav Eliezer said he holds like Rav Akiva that it's, usher, that it's an obligation from the Torah to keep a slave, which means freeing the slave is against the Torah, and he still did it for a minion, so you see that it, he holds that it's uh, for a minion, it's mother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two more sugyas. Friday morning, the office is tiring. My eyes are burning. All right, two more seconds. Let's go through it. Amar Rabbah. Rabbah says, There are three Averas that cause people to lose their money as a punishment. Number one is the Mafki They release their slaves to freedom. They think they're doing a good thing, but they're going against the Torah, so it's not a good thing. Number two, They inspect their property on Shabbos. They spend their Shabbos afternoons checking out their properties, which is not allowed. It's, uh, it's against the Torah. It's against the Chazal's uh, Onik Shabbos. And you're not supposed to do malach. You're not supposed to think about work on Shabbos and, and analyze Parnosa on Shabbos. And the last one is, There were people that would specifically have their Shabbos meals in the afternoon, when the Rav was giving a drasha. So they would do it. So they does wouldn't. Does that, that, la- that second uh, Isser include like checking mail on Shabbos? Like you're. Well, it's, it's, say you live in an apartment. Well, it's not under the full canopy. It, 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 no, it's not under that canopy. There's a special prohibition of doing an action that appears like you're thinking about Parnassa. It's again, it's a yeah, rabbinic right. prohibition, but it's, it's, uh, you're not allowed to, 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 you know. It depends. If you're reading. Uh, if you're wor- reading work materials, then yes. But but my point is, it's usher. Even though you're just walking, I'm just looking. I haven't said anything. I'm not doing anything. But we know why you're sitting at your property with a hard hat on. We understand. So it's it's usher. It's usher to do this. And the last one is they would have their meals, especially on Shabbos at the time of the Rav's uh, drushes. There were two families in Shalayim. Both of them did something wrong. One of them scheduled the meal on Shabbos day at the time of the drasha in order to avoid going to the drasha. And one made their meal, their big meal Friday night. Both were uprooted. Now, what's the problem with doing a meal Friday night? This is because Rashi says that if you have a chosh of a meal, you're supposed to make it special for Shabbos Day. Which is, it's funny, because it's the opposite of how we perceive, most people perceive it, that Shabbos Day is just leftovers, Friday night is like the chosh of a meal, but you're supposed to have something special for Shabbos Day, is the Iker Suda. And that's why Cholent, I think that's one of the reasons why they make Cholent, is that there should be something special and fresh, that the entire Shabbos Day meal is not just leftovers. Yeah, Friday night. Yeah. Correct, but because they had this special meal, Rashi says Friday night as opposed to Shabbos day. I mean, what? 
say that one more time why people have chont nowadays? The reason why they have chont, one of the reasons is because you're supposed to have something special for the Shabbos day meal and not just have leftovers. If you have that, you eat everything special Friday night and Shabbos day you're just having uh, cold cuts, it's not as chashib. So you want to have something special made just for Shabbos day meal in order to fulfill this gemar. Uh, Amir Rabba, Amir Rabba. Now one last sugya. And the, well, yeah, no, I understand that, but uh, um, one last sugya, okay? The, the last sugya, huh? That's too harsh. The last sugya is like this. Oh, yeah, Taka. The last sugya is like this. And I don't like leftovers. I don't like leftovers. During the week, at least. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, one last sugya, and that is just, just think like this. Um, if I am Mekadish and Eved to the Beis HaMikdash, the question is what happens? Think, think about it like this. There's basically three choices, right? Let's go through every, every option. When you're, when you're Makdish something to the Beis HaMikdash, if I'm Makdish an animal, it becomes, the actual animal becomes, belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. Now, a slave has, what's the, it can't be brought as a carbon. So a slave's body is not what the Beis HaMikdash wants. So there's two other choices. So one ch- choice number two is you mean, when you say I'm Magdish, my slave, I mean his value. The problem is, you didn't say that. You could say Demay, you could say I'm Magdish, his value, you didn't say that. So Rav's opinion is, I'm a Rav, I'm a Rav, Hamagdish Rav says that if you are Magdish your slave, and you didn't specify the value of my slave, I just said, my slave belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, you know what I'm doing? He goes free. Why? Because the Gemara says, my timer, let's think about it. Obviously, you're not Magdish his body. What do you want him to be? A carbon? He's not a carbon. So what are you going to say? Demay, his value. Loikomer, you never said his value. What did you say? You said a Magdish. Therefore, what do you mean? When you said I want him to be Hegdish, you didn't actually mean give his value to the Beis Amikdish because you would say that. Rather, you meant Am Kadosh, I want him to be holy. So when you said I want him to be Hegdish, what you really meant is I want him to be holy, I want him to be a Jew. True, but that's how we're interpreting it. Now, by the way, it's interesting, is why don't we say this every time you're Makdish, every time you're Makdish uh, a Chazer, not a Chazer, whatever, you're Makdish a donkey. You uh, never said the value. The answer is, over there you have no other choice. It's either the animal itself or its value. Those are the two choices. Obviously mean value, because you can't bring a carbon from a, a chamar. But over here, there's a third choice. You, 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 obviously you can't mean him that he should be actual holy, because it's, it's a person. So you're going to say the value, but you didn't say that. Because there's a third alternative. The third alternative is that when you said, I want him to be hegdish, what you meant was, I want him to join the holy people. So according to Rav, if you're makdish uh, a slave, he goes free. Now the Gemara says, Rav Yosef Amirav, he added another halacha from Rav, Hamafker Avda So first we're saying that if you're Makdish in Evid, it goes free, and now we're saying if you're Mafker in Evid, it also goes free. Okay. Now, Manda Amr Makdish, Kol Mafker, the one who says that if you're Makdish a slave, it goes three free. Kavachomer, if you're Mafker it, because that's Mamish declaring it ownerless. But Manda Amr Mafker, Avo Makdish Lo, Amr. But the one who said Mafker would not agree with the one who said Hegdish. Why? Because by Hegdish, I could really see a person when he says Hegdish he does not mean that he should be joining the Jewish people. He means, I want to give its value to the base of English. So that's why it's more debatable. Okay, one quick kasha. In these two cases, when I'm mafkir and evid, or I'm maktish and evid, do I have to write a bill of emancipation? So we really had this before. 
you need a get shechror in order for him to marry a Jew. Okay. Amarabah. Now, okay, now here's basic from here flow to the end of the daf is we have Kashis on Rav. Rav is saying that if I'm Makdish and Eved, he goes free. Not that his value belongs to the base Amigdish, he goes free. The Kasha is, and this is Rav talking, remember that. Mosvina Nashmaite, I have a Brysa that's not like this. What does the Brysa say? Hamakdish Nechasav, if I make all my Nechasim holy, I donate all to the base Amigdish, Bahayuben Havadim. So I, I say, everything I own belongs to the base Amigdish. Now, amongst that, I have slaves. So what do you do with the slaves? So what would Rav say? Rav would say, they go free. You're Makdish and Evid, it's Yatsal Khairis. But that's not what the Brysa says. What does the Brysa say? It says like this the, the, the temple treasurers cannot just set him free because they don't actually own him fully. They just they own his value. They own the rights to sell him. So that, that's how this Brysa looks at it. That if you're Makdish, you're Nechassim, and it, within the Nechassim there are slaves. It's not just the value you're donating to the Beis Hamikdash because you didn't say Demei. Rather, what are you saying? You're saying the Beis Hamikdash owns the rights to my slave. So what do they do with it? They could sell it, or if they want him to be free, they could sell the slave to others and let the others free him. Or Rabbi Oimer Afani who Rabbi says the slave can buy himself. Right? I mean, they have the rights to sell the slave. So according to this Brisa, if I'm Makdish in Evid, it's not that the Evid itself belongs to the Beis Hamikdash because it's not a carbon. You don't have to actually just give the value, but rather the Beis Hamikdash owns the rights to sell you. Like any other ownership of a slave, they have the rights to sell you. Not that they own you, but they own the rights to sell you. So they could sell you to others, or they can even sell you to yourself if you have enough cash, right? You you could buy yourself just like anybody can buy you, and you're free. But huh? Well, I guess if uh, someone gave it, uh, it was makna. No, you could do it. You could be makna it ayde shlishi with ein rabbi rishusboy. I guess you'd have to do such a thing. The point is, what do you see from this brisa? This brisa is clearly telling you not like Rav, because Rav holds if you're makdish and eved yatzel That's not what this says. So the answer is masisa karamis let the Rav Rav tenu The answer is Rav is treated like a tana, and he could argue on a mission if he has to. You're right. This this brisa does not agree with Rav. Okay. Now again, the, I just wanted to make, I, I, I wasn't 100% clear before. Generally, when you're Makdish and Eved, there's, there's sort of, there's actually four choices in your mind. You could think that you actually are consecrated himself belonging to the base of English, but that's not a thing because he's not a carbon, so that's out. Then you could say, I'm giving his value to the base of English. He never said that. Rob feels that you go free. The Brisa feels that what you're doing is I'm transferring the rights to sell him to the base of English. That's easy. Now, this Bryce is not like Rav. Rav disagrees with the Bryce. Okay, Rav is a ton. One more Bryce that's not like Rav. Tashima, Ach Kol Cheirim. The pasuk says any Cheirim that a person any will declare may Adam Elu Avadim Shvachus Kananim. This Bryce says that may Adam that if I make something holy, it belongs to the Beis Hamikdash, even slaves. Oh, so you see that if I makdish something, it's not going free. It belongs to the Beis Hamikdash. The answer is, Ravel answer, I don't have to disagree with that Bryce. That Bryce is specifically talking about a case where I'm giving his value. Not that I'm actually making him holy. I'm giving his value. Meaning, Rav is saying, I only said my opinion when, I, when you say the words, Makdish Avdoi. 
Over here, this Bryce is talking about where you said, Magdish Demei Avdoi. You clearly specified I'm giving his value to the Beis HaMikdash. If you would have just said, I'm making him holy, Hitaka would go free. But over here, you said, Magdish Demei, and that's why it's different. So the Gemara says, One last point, and we'll end with this. You're telling me that this Brisa that says that you have to give the value to the Beis HaMikdash is Tafka talking about you said Demei. Why not say the, say, the first Brisa? The first Brisa that we said the Rav disagrees with, we said there's no other option. They must disagree with each other. Why don't you just say, the Bryce is also talking about a case where you said demei. Meaning, you said, I'm makdish demei nechassim. I'm makdish all my nechassim. And, and the slave belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. Why not say that that's also talking about a case of demei and it works with Rav? The answer is, I'll say it outside, then we'll see it inside. The answer is, the Bryce cannot be talking about demei. Demei means I have a... Um, I, I pledge to give money to the Beis HaMikdash. This Bryce says that the Gizbar can sell the slave. That's not demei. Demei, if I say I'm giving my demei to the Beis HaMikdash, that just means I have to write them a check. This Bryce says the Gizbarim can sell them to others and the others can go free. Rebbe says the Gizbar can sell him to himself. That's not demei. That's stronger than demei. That's just makdish. And, and therefore, what do you see? You see that the Bryce feels that when you're makdish, the ownership transfers to the Beis HaMikdash. Rav feels that the, when you're makdish, it goes free. They don't, they don't see eye to eye. The answer is ihachi. Why not say the first Bryce is also talking about a case of Demei and it could work with Rav? The answer is it doesn't work in the Bryce. The Bryce says that the Gizbarim cannot just make them free. Of course, if it's just Demei, that just means you have to pay a check. There's no transfer of ownership. Then the Bryce says that the Gizbarim can sell them to others and others can make them free. If it's just to me, this doesn't make sense. Again, and also, Rebbe says that, that you could sell the slave to himself and he goes free. All of this does not indicate to me. Rather, this is talking about a case where you're Magdish. You're Magdish straight up. That Bryce is telling you, if you're Magdish straight up, Rebbe tells you it goes free. Rav tells you it goes free. This Bryce says that the transfer, the rights of selling goes to the Gizbar. They don't see eye to eye. Rav is a Tanahu Polish. I will stop here.